Sam White, the founder of Shakespeare in Detroit, the first question I have been instructed to ask is, why are you so awesome? <laughs> the person who, who asked you to ask that is, is, is also awesome. So there's some bias, right? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 807, Shakespeare in Detroit. Last week, I finally got to make my first pilgrimage to Shakespeare in Detroit and meet its founding artistic and executive director, Sam White. The occasion was the opening night of their co-production with the African-American Shakespeare Company of the complete works of William Shakespeare, abridged, revised, directed by our own Reed Martin. Sam and I grabbed a few minutes before the VIPs began to arrive to discuss the history of Shakespeare in Detroit and Sam's own origin story. I, I love Shakespeare because of my mother. Mm. Um, That's a theme, actually, amongst my guests. Mommies. Yeah, mommy, uh, mo- moms who, who somehow tra- uh, uh, passed on their love of Shakespeare to their children who read to them or took them or something. Yeah, I mean, my mother had us when we were younger, my brother and I. Um, we read a lot. Um, Shakespeare was one of many things that we read. Yeah. But um, Shakespeare sort of stood out because it was a punishment for listening to rap music. So. Oh, dear. Um, other things I read just because I love the fantasy of it, like Chronicles of Narnia. I love C.S. Lewis. I love big magic, big fantasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, still do. Loved it really, really, really a, a lot back then. But um, my mother gave me... Um, well, she didn't have a deadline, but I was required to read the entire canon from cover to cover when wow, I was eight. Wow. It took me until I was about 16 to read the whole thing, because it's long, and I was eight. <laughs> you were eight? Yeah. Did, let's not gloss over the fact that you were eight when you started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. so it took about that long. So, um, But I finished it. didn't quite understand it. Yeah. understood it a little bit better at 16 than I did at eight, Yeah, of course. Well, and I understand it a little bit better at 62 than I did at 16, too. Yeah. too. So it's, a, it's a lifetime thing. That's how it works. I yeah. mean, I understand King Lear better now having been a caregiver than I did when I read it, you know, yeah. as a kid. So, right. um, yeah, so it started with my mother introducing Shakespeare to me as a punishment. <laughs> um, eventually, it fell into, I fell in love with, with the work. Yeah. Again, emphasis on the work and not the man. Mm. Um, and then I, I, I was actually a stand-up comedian living in Vegas, and we, I had to get sort of a, a real job to pay my my note at, or my bill, my invoice at the motel that I was staying at yeah. in Vegas, trying to be a comedian. So I ended up getting a job at KNPR, which is the um, the public radio station for mm-hmm. Henderson in Las Vegas. And mm-hmm. they take a trip with their readers to the Utah Shakespeare Festival. So I took the trip with the readers because, or with the listeners rather, because I like Shakespeare. Right. Um, and then when I was there, because it's in the middle of nowhere, Cedar City is this big. <laughs> I'm snapping my fingers if people can't hear that snap. And um, thought, okay, if they can do that there, then we could do it in Detroit. And so it took a, a few more years for that, that thought to manifest because Detroit is a, a really... Um, it has a lot of ebbs and it has a lot of flows, um, fiscally, socially, and otherwise. Yeah. But finally, about 10 years ago, we were able to, to do our very first show and so here we are, Shakespeare in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 now you in you're in uh, you're like your your f- 
your own first semi-permanent home. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. it's it's like a starter home. Starter, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like yeah. when you and your your spouse or your partner you get married and you want yeah. a cute little house. Yeah. So you start out there, but then when you start having kids and more dogs and cats and stuff, you got to get a bigger home. So when we add the 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 additional people will have to get a new home. Well, I think yeah. about that, too, because, I mean, one of the reasons that the Reduce Shakespeare Company was able to survive over the pandemic is that we don't have a home either. We are a theater company without our own home. And so if you don't have a home, then the co the company exists sort of as an idea rather than a, an entity. But that idea is really powerful, and it can survive multiple moves, mm -hmm. you know? So Shakespeare in Detroit is wherever Shakespeare in Detroit happens to be, because you do outside performances, you do performances in a lot of places, right? We do, yeah. We and we enjoy doing, I, I love Shakespeare outdoors. Mm. Um, I love it inside too, but I really love it outdoors, and that's just because you sort of, especially with city parks here, yeah. you're sort of, or in Chicago or, other, or New York, you know, you're sort of embraced by the architecture mm. of the city, and it's really unique and just beautiful. But we also enjoy site-specific work, where we go into, you know, special spaces and right and sort of the synergy between the space and the work happens, and that's really magical. But for now, it's really nice to have a home because we do want to build some foundation and an infrastructure so that this thing can outlast me. That's very important to me. Yeah. The, um, your, it feels like we skipped over a couple parts of your journey. So you were, you were a stand-up, and, and now you're a founder, and I'm going to say for the moment an artistic director. How did you? Is that something you envisioned for yourself when you were younger? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Um, no, it, but it was, um, it's what I had to offer the city. And, and I thought, well, I didn't think I knew that so many other cities enjoy um, Shakespeare. And, and we had some Shakespeare in academic spots mm -hmm. in Detroit, mm -hmm. but there really wasn't a, a space for people like me who, who really love the work not to be graded on it or not to, you know, read it because the teacher assigned it or because and, it's part of a curriculum. Or, that's, or because it's no longer punishment. That's right. Yeah, but yeah. it really is just a part of the DNA of my experience in Detroit. And so we needed Shakespeare in Detroit to, to be available to everybody. And so I, nobody else was doing it, so I did it. That's what happened. <laughs> well, and, and it's still happening, yes. And it, but there's something about. I mean, as far, as far as I'm concerned, the only value these old 400-year-old classical plays has is to mess with them, to see what they say to us now, not see, not try to emulate what they said to us 400 years ago. Um, how does that translate for you? How does how do you see? Are there some of his plays you won't do? Are you are there some of his plays you're more interested in doing, or or, or are, you, are you looking for that sort of stuff? Mm, well, we did Othello. I don't really see a reason to do Othello anymore. I'm sort of over it. Um, it I, there's just no more story for Shakespeare in Detroit to tell. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. We probably won't do Merchant either. We did Merchant before, mm -hmm. um, but I I just don't feel that the company will lift up that story either again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the rest of the play, or the rest of the plays, you know, the other 35 are, are for the taking. And yeah. we have so many that we haven't done, so we yeah. want to do the ones we haven't touched yet. Yeah. Yeah. So is this your first production since the pandemic? Yeah, it is. Well, technically. So we, we're a professional theater company, but we do do outreach with kiddos, with kids. Yeah, yeah. And so we've done um, Romeo and Juliet since, or during the pandemic. We're okay. still in the pandemic, but we did that last year. Yeah. Um, it was a private performance just for the kids and their families, mm -hmm. but technically this is our first main stage professional show with, with actors over over 21, <laughs> so yeah, and we're thrilled. 
I bet. for that. Thrilled for sure, because it's it's always nice to be able to tell people to go, you know, um, stage left or right, and they know what you're talking about. <laughs> Levels to this, yes. What, and and have you have you you've read all the plays? Have you played a lot of the roles? Are there roles you're you're looking forward to playing? What what are you what, where are you what are some of your favorite roles? Um, I think my favorite roles right now. I brought up King Lear. I, my favorites are Goneril, Regan, and Cordelia. I think um, people have it wrong when they judge judge sort of Goneril as being a villain, or mm -hmm. even Regan being uh -huh. kind of like aloof and villain, like sort of a villain as well. Uh huh. Because um, like like I I is again, and I I don't know if I just shared this or not because my brain is in opening night mode. Yep. Um, but I was a caregiver during my the first two years of the pandemic. And some days I was Goneril, some days I was Cordelia, some days I was Regan. It depends on the day. Mm -hmm. And so before becoming a caregiver for, for two very sick parents, I probably looked at that play with a lot of judgment. Yeah. But now, again, depending on the day, I can see myself in those three daughters yeah. because you, it takes that sort of real-life experience to really understand it. So I really want to direct King Lear because I think if I direct it, it's going to be... And I'm, of course, the director would say this. It's going to be good, and, and not because of some sort of technical ability, but because those characters are not just something Shakespeare wrote. I, I lived that experience. Well, I, I've talked about that a lot during, during the pandemic as well, is that people say, well, he never wrote any, Shakespeare never wrote any plague plays, but I think all of his plays are plague plays in ways we're only now beginning to understand because we're living through our own plague play. And he's writing about these sorts of issues about transitions amongst characters in status and 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 role and and it, these feelings of ennui and professional doubt and needing to pivot and whatever are all so strong with us now because we recognize it. Yeah. I think, I can't wait to see your leer is the point. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to do it. Hi, this is Mia Gosling, creator of Shakespeare webcomic Good Tickle Brain, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We have no performances this summer of 2022 and bookings are coming back slowly as venues are slow to reopen and still cautious about making commitments. But we will be visiting at least four cities this fall and performing Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel in Rolla, Missouri on September 21st, Bloomington, Illinois on September 23rd, Jasper, Indiana on September 25th, and the Wharton Center in East Lansing, Michigan on November 9th and 10th of 2022. Check out the touring page at our website, reducedshakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed, at Reduced, for the latest information. And now back to my conversation with Sam White, the founding artistic and executive director of Shakespeare in Detroit. We were discussing how our understanding of Shakespeare's plays are constantly changing, especially after two years and counting of pandemic. I mean, it's all of the plays. It's like you said. Like I, I, I see them much differently now than I did when I was a little girl, yeah. you know, and even The Winter's Tale, you know, it, it doesn't, I'm, I'm always sort of, it's funny to think about a bear, you know, <laughs> chasing somebody off stage, but for me it doesn't, It that's not how I see the play. I, I think, you know, the pandemic was a bear, mm. you know, I think, you know, the sort of the, the statue in The Winter's Tale, I think we all were sort of stagnant mm. and have felt sort of 
stuck in time, you know, mm -hmm. or, or thinking about, you know, just sort of how, to, how, do you, how does Shakespeare, even those big fantastical moments, they really do touch you in a real way. It's not about stuffing somebody in a bear costume. For me, um, the pandemic itself was, was tearing into me with its claws like many other people around the globe. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested in revisiting shows because it feels like a new canon because it's a new world. It is a, a new canon. So it feels as if like we've come out of the pandemic or we're coming, we're still surviving through the pandemic with a new appreciation for Shakespeare, but in a way that Shakespeare can become not a not a not medicinal, but helpful in processing. Am I does that resonate with you, that idea? Yeah, I mean it's just good writing, right? Yeah. And any any writer, it doesn't matter who the writer is, they yeah. hope that their work will resonate like Shakespeare's four hundred plus years later, right? And right. so these stories are just, they're good because they're good. And they're good because costumes change, humanity doesn't really. Mm -hmm. Technology mm -hmm. changes, but we were still the same, just, you know, different outfits. Well, and you mentioned Narnia earlier, and now I'm thinking of the bear in Winter's Tale like a fawn or a lamppost in a snowy wood. I mean, there's a lot of that, that magic, that theatrical magic mm -hmm. of Shakespeare I is so... Cool. Well, and it's and you have exquisite taste to bring in the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged <laughs> as a reward to your audience for returning to the theater. Yeah, I think people around here take Shakespeare too seriously, too. I mean, there's some serious, obvious subject matter, which yeah. we were just talking about. Yeah. But also, I think that um, Shakespeare in Detroit, the reason why we're around, too, is to sort of dismantle the idea of who Shakespeare is for and what um, productions of Shakespeare should look like, you know? And so it's, it's great having Trey and Lejeish and Gabe do this show um, in a really silly way, you know, it's in, that has great levity. But also, there's a moment where Lejeish, you know, does the slings and arrows bit mm -hmm. before he has a breakdown. Spoiler <laughs> alert. And, and it's really... Um, it's really potent and it's really beautiful. And, and so it's great because you have actors, in order to play in the complete works of William Shakespeare, Bridge Revised, you still have to be able to act. And actually as a stand-up, a former stand-up comedian, the best actors are funny because it takes a lot to make people laugh at the same time. Making one person laugh who might be related to you is not the same <laughs> as making an audience laugh. It just is not, your mama laughing with you or the person who loves you is not the same as making an entire audience laugh together. How did you become BFFs with Margaret Atwood? Um, well, she found me, because she's a very um, uh, tech-savvy, mm -hmm. <laughs> social media-active mm -hmm. person. And she loves um, younger artists. Yeah. And so um, I was on the cover of... Um, oh, my goodness, what... what what airline was that? South, Southwest Airlines is <laughs> in flight magazine. And um, and she happened to get um, or, or saw a copy of it and found me on Twitter because that's her favorite social mm -hmm. media channel. Mm -hmm. And um, asked me to be her date at a um, fundraiser for birds because she loves birds. And mm -hmm. um, and I met her in Windsor and um, we've been we've been friends ever since. And she's a real friend. She's um she, in 2017, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do one of our shows, and she showed up. But more than that, like, just sitting at her kitchen table and her giving me advice has been, I mean, a game changer. You're talking about one of the greatest living artists mm -hmm. of, of our time, mm -hmm. you know? And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I got to record one of our mentoring sessions for Shakespeare in Detroit's YouTube channel, and so I always have that because she's an icon, but more than that, she, more than that, she's just a good person and a mentor. 
Yeah. And a mentor. Yeah. And yeah. just cool, like super cool. Yeah, super cool. The most chill woman you'd ever meet. I yeah. I I, I only wish her novel The Handmaid's Tale were still fiction. That's right. Yeah. That's right. my only She's not allowed to write any more books because <laughs> Right. Apparently, like she's a soothsayer. Yeah, yeah. We don't know, yeah, what might happen next. <laughs> Margaret, step away from the keyboard. <laughs> don't don't visualize, manifest anything else. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. The African-American Shakespeare Company production of the complete works of William Shakespeare, abridged, revised, directed by Reed Martin, runs at Shakespeare in Detroit until May 29, 2022. Go to ShakespeareInDetroit.com for more information. You can also follow them at ShakesInTheD on Twitter and at ShakespeareInDetroit on Instagram. Instagram. Then send us your shared love of Shakespeare and Narnia via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareance.com. Thanks as always to misunderstood caregiver Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Bill Bowie. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Mia Gosling, creator of Good Tickle Brain, the world's greatest and possibly only Shakespeare webcomic, and also my date at Shakespeare Detroit last week. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 807 firsts of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. We've been talking long enough, and I've taken so much of your time uh, here on this opening night of your of your new season in your new home. Um, uh, congratulations, Sam White, and Godspeed. <laughs> Thank you. It's going to be a fun show. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.